Sitting in a box undigified Gonna rewind and give them one more try Think about the days of lo-fi Mixtape Memorex and TDK Getting music out there the old-fashioned way Making the greatest hits of one day Mixtape Phonograph and dual cassette Before you could get everything on the internet But some things ain't made it there yet Mixtape Line in, line out if you don't have a line Hold the recorder to the speaker, turn the volume to nine Here's an accidental slice of time Welcome to Gen X Mixtape, a nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is side A of a novelty holiday mixtape, where we curate a collection of novelty tunes to keep you smiling throughout the holiday season. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Yes. How, how are you doing? Uh, all things considered, not not too bad. Um, I'm, I'm out of work here for the next several weeks. I had surgery uh, at the start of November, but... Um, I don't know the the pain. It's it's beginning to subside. I'm I'm able to get up and move around. the The real difficult thing is I really can't wear my glasses, and it's um, that's just a frustrating thing because reading and writing is just near impossible. But um, I'm good. I'm good. Thanksgiving Thanksgiving was painful. <laughs> I drove across the state with my wife and I mean just that car ride by the time we got to her family's house my head was aching mm. badly but um no I'm I'm good I I did not have the as much difficulty as I thought I would preparing for today's episode which was a good thing and um I'm really excited to introduce some songs that I think our our listeners probably have never heard before so yeah, good um yeah, my Thanksgiving, my wife had COVID, so I spent it in the basement eating Taco Bell. <laughs> Although I probably would have preferred that than being in a car. I might have preferred joining you for Taco Bell <laughs> as opposed to driving across the state to see my in-laws. So there's that too, you know. Um, but uh, I love my in-laws. I, that, that, I'm joking. But the car ride, I, I Taco Bell versus that car ride does sound like the better <laughs> That's alternative. That's the first time I've had Taco Bell in probably 10 years. <laughs> All right, so this is the fourth holiday mixtape we've attempted. Yes. Um, and this time we um, have, have a, an actual focus. I don't think we've had a focus the last few years. Um, but this one, novelty songs. We, we've included novelty songs in the past three seasons for our holiday episodes. But, yes. You know, they've been just a smattering here and there. Um, this is the first time, you know, like you said, we've had an actual theme. And, and I found that the theme was helpful because it, it really did allow me to, to hone in and, and you know curate a, a short list that was not as crazy, I, I guess, not as large. Well, for the for, for the most part, we've narrowed it down from the beginning because we've stuck to basically you know secular uh, Christmas songs True. as yeah. opposed to um, you know traditional religious ones, and so that really that that narrows it down by about fifty percent. It right? does, yeah. And so this helped even narrow it even more. Yeah, but um, no, it was it was a lot of fun uh, going with. With the novelty, uh, we've talked about doing just a novelty episode for the the podcast in the past, anyway. So it was nice to actually be able to integrate that with the holiday theme. So, 
All right. Well, yeah, a couple, a couple of your choices I'm interested to discuss. <laughs> anyway, it's your, your, your start. All right. Well, this first one, um, the band, actually it's not a band, it's a group, uh, is named for the 613 mitzvot, uh, or in English, commandments of the Jewish faith. Um, it uh, is 613, and they are a groundbreaking New York-based Jewish all-male a cappella singing group. Uh, they formed in 2003, and the six-voice group is known for parodying contemporary pop songs by adding Jewish themes and lyrics. Uh, they also sing cover versions of pop hits in Yiddish and Israeli classics, and they produce original compositions based on traditional Jewish prayers. Uh, relying solely on vocals, the group achieves the effects of guitar, bass, drums, electronic music, uh, through beatboxing and the like. Um, we, we've done the acapella thing in the past with other performers. Um, these guys are, are very, very talented, very good. Uh, 613, they perform regularly for universities, synagogues, Jewish community centers, Jewish federations, religious schools. They, You can actually book them for your bar or bat mitzvah. Uh, and they do music festivals uh, around the country, and I believe they've traveled uh, a good part of the world. Uh, they've released eight, eight albums, and they've won numerous awards uh, due largely to their unprecedented style and novel approach to Jewish music. Um, juxtaposing the traditional and the contemporary, uh, 613 is anchored by a strong Jewish identity, fueled by soulful harmonies, intricate arrangements, and their signature dynamic, full band-like sound. And they're driven by a mission to connect Jews around the world with their heritage through music. And that comes from their website. Um, the band is uniquely comp comprised. I, I actually like this. You they're, haven't mentioned the song yet, you know. I haven't. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You I'm, keep I'm, going. I'm, I'm, pull, I'm pulling a Dave. All right, okay. all right. Um, I, I will get there. No problem. <laughs> I, I apologize. The, the band, uh, they're uniquely comprised of members from varied Jewish denominations and upbringings, which is really very cool. Um, the uh, a, a lot of other Jewish artists, groups and artists, they, they tend to be from the very uh, strict Orthodox community. Uh, a lot of them meet in uh, the yeshiva, the, the, the Jewish schools that they attend. This group actually has, they have the Reformed Jews and the Conservative Jews and the Orthodox Jews. I mean, they're all, they all come together um, which which makes for a very different feel to the music. The song that I've chosen, here we go, All is right. a Star Wars Hanukkah. Oh, oh, oh. 
they start with the the traditional blessings over the menorah, but then they go into um, several different um, songs for, that that Jews everywhere have have learned and, and are well acquainted with during the holiday season, and it even ends with an argument, uh, which is better, the laka or the sukanyot. Um, you know what sukanyot is? I don't. Uh, jelly donuts. Oh. Yeah, uh, which is an Israeli staple at, at Hanukkah time. Um, the only thing that they uh, don't do, uh, really, is they, they don't, uh, what was I going to say? Okay. You were talking about jelly donuts. And yeah. I, was, I was wondering if there's a, queen, a cream stick um, <laughs> equivalent to that, because I'm more of a cream stick um, that's uh, Long John's to the rest of America. Oh, I totally lost my train of thought with the jelly donuts. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, John, I, don't, I don't know what I was parody, The parody, yeah. there are probably, what, three or four or five different movements from different Star Wars films, right. including yes. the main title, the Emperor's, um, or the, um, the Imperial March, and uh, even even the newer film, the right. prequels. Yeah, the Duel of the Fates is yeah, there. Right, right, right. Um, they have the cantina scene, you know, the, the cantina band. Um, I, I just, I love this. I, I listen to it, and it just, it just makes me smile. And this is not the only um, Hanukkah track that they've recorded um they also have uh hanukkah tunes titled elton jonica which they take several of his big hits and mash them up much in the same way that they do everything's in yiddish all the songs um not always no not always um they they have bohemian hanukkah they have a hamilton hanukkah they have watch me spin and dre dre um they have feliz hanukkah (laughs) they have the thanksgiving anthem a nice Jewish boy band Hanukkah, and uh, they also have a parody of Taylor Swift's Shake It Off, which is titled simply Hanukkah. So um, could have went with any of them. They're all fantastic. So um, for our Jewish listeners out there, I'm going to start here with Star Wars Hanukkah, and if you are a fan of uh, that galaxy far, far away, um, and if you're Jewish. If if you're Jewish, it's good. If you're a Star Wars fan, it's good. If you like both, if you're Jewish and you're a Star Wars fan, then it's it's doubly good. Doubly good, there yes. Um, yeah, well, what did you think? Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. Did you? Um, yeah. And because it's a parody, I'm assuming they didn't have to get the blessing of, of the, well, not George Lucas anymore, but of Disney. But um, yeah, and when I heard Duel of Fates, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it was nice. That's yeah, I, I love this tune. I mean, there, there, there's a humor to it. It's not a laugh out loud. It's more of a, a grin humor as you listen right. to it. Yeah, because of what they're doing. Absolutely. Okay. Well. Okay. I, I kind of rambled on that one. That's all right. <laughs> so off to a great start now. Well, my uh, first one, I decided that I would go with a, a classic, and the classic is "Nothing for Christmas" by Stan Freeberg. I want the Stan Freeberg version from 1955. <laughs> snitched on me. I hid a frog in sister's bed. Somebody snitched on me. I spilled some ink on mommy's rug. I made Tommy eat a bug. Bought some gum with a penny slug. Somebody snitched on me. So I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Mommy and daddy are Chair. Somebody snitched on me. I tied a knot in Susie's hair. Some me. I did a dance on mommy's plants. 
dance, climbed the tree and tore my pants, filled the sugar bowl with ants, somebody snitched on me. This is what's crazy. I had to double check this and triple check this, but so far this seems to be, I don't know why I wouldn't have heard this trivia because this is pretty, pretty incredible. Um, in 1955, six different versions of the song hit the Billboard pop charts that season. Really? Six? Six different versions were on the pop chart on the, wow. in the same year. All right. Uh, of course, this is back when you didn't have the singer-songwriter as much as somebody would write a song, and then the record company or the artist would purchase that and perform it. And you would have multiple artists on a single song. That was common. Sure. Uh, but usually it was over a course of, of several years. Maybe you would have two at the same time. Uh, I've never heard of more than two at the same time. Um, here you have six <laughs> different versions of it. Um, I, I'm guessing that's something that will ever happen again. Um, the honor, the gussy. Stan Friegler's version is the one I went with because, I don't know, just, oh, that's his, the one I grew up with. Is, his is the best. Um, but it wasn't the one to chart the highest that year. Really? That honor went to Art Mooney and his orchestra. Uh, his version went to number six. I don't know that I've ever heard that version. Yeah. It's interesting how yeah. one stands out and kind of survives over the others. The Stan Friedberg version, which is the one I said I, I grew up with listening to, um, has this coda to the song, which I think really kind of puts it apart from the, the Art Mooney version. Uh, and that is when the listener discovers at the end that the boy who's singing the song is actually a partner in crime with Santa himself. Edgy for the 50s, no? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, very much. <laughs> but even the original is a little edgy for the time, right? Some of the infractions are relatively minor. You have a little boy who accidentally tears his pants, you know, accidentally maybe, who knows, and spills <laughs> ink, maybe accidentally. Um, but he's not above tormenting others, right? He bullies another kid into eating an insect at some point. Um, he places a tack on his teacher's chair, which is borderline assault, right? But some of them are just downright felonious. He t- taking a baseball bat to someone's head. Yeah. This is a 1955 <laughs> song about a child. Uh, and using counterfeit money to buy gum. Right. Well, my favorite, though, is the ants in the sugar bowl. Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking, oh, it's a... I, this song cracks me up. This was on my list. Yeah. So I, I I had you pick first this right, time. Right, So because, I could help you narrow it down yeah, even more. Right. I, I still had, I say that, you know, I honed in on my list. I still had 50 songs, you know, easily. Um, There's so many good novelty tunes. This one, had you not chosen it, it would have been on my list. So I was thrilled that you included it. And like a lot of these these holiday songs, you know, they're covered by many different artists over the years. This one, of course, is no exception. Um, other popular artists who have covered it include Spike Jones, Eartha Kitt, Smash Mouth featuring Rosie O'Donnell. I, I might have to listen to that one. I don't know that I ever want to hear that. <laughs> and Sugarland. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've heard uh, the first three. I, I've not heard... Um, Sugarland's version, nor have I heard Rosie O'Donnell sing this song. Um, but, Smash Mouth. Or, yeah, it's, that just sounds frightening. Right, well, now it's, it's going to be on the mentioned songs list. It's got to be. I, you know, she actually has a Christmas song that she did with Billy Joel. Really? Yeah. I can't remember which one they do, but I haven't listened to that either because I can't bring myself to listen to Rosie O'Donnell sing. I, she might be a, fam, a fabulous singer. I don't know. I, well, with the nothing for Christmas, I can imagine she's yeah, that, character singing. So. Yeah. No, that would work. She, she'd do fine with that. Actually, she'd do pretty well, I would Yeah, think. that's true. Um, and Smash Mouth. We lost uh, mm, yes. the front man yep. there. Uh, 
just a, a month or two ago. Yep, not so. too long ago. Oh, we also boy. lost um, Croft, the um, puppeteer. Oh, yeah. Passed away. Yeah. yeah. There have been a lot, actually. I mean, there always is, of course, but it just seems in the last several months there have been... And, and most of them have not been A-list, like huge celebrities, but it's it's just been a constant... Mm-hmm. A constant drop. Well, think about it. Many of the pop culture heroes are boomers, and they are. That's the generation that's um, the top now. Very true. Very true. All right, what you got next? Well, this is one I am sure you you were referencing in your uh, comment about the songs that you want to discuss with me. Um, this is something that I, I, I discovered these guys purely by by chance. Um, I knew I wanted to include a Krampus. Yep, that's song. the one I wanted to discuss. Yeah, I, I knew I wanted to include a Krampus. Pushing the envelope song. a little bit with this I, one. I am. This one is very body. Uh, it's very. It, there's a bit of raunch, um, but it is <laughs> a bit of raunch. A bit of raunch. Put it. But I'm sorry. This I I listened to this the first time I listened to it. You want to know what immediately came to mind? I, of course, I haven't talked about it yet. But we're we're both fans of what we do in the shadows, right? This song came on, and actually, this was not the first one that I heard. I was listening to their album, and the entirety of their album, the second one, it's titled Spooky Sauce, um, right away, immediately, I just had this image of um, Laszlo singing these songs. Oh, yeah. You know? And the the entirety of just the feel of the the music and the vibe, it just... And even my wife came down and she said, this sounds like something Nadia and Laszlo would sing from the show. And so I wasn't alone. Now that you put it that way, I'm a fan of the song. Yeah, I I wasn't alone (laughs) in in hearing that, you know. Um, The the band here, folks, that that we're discussing, the the name of the band is Gallows Humor, okay? Um, They advertise themselves as a macabre comedic and very energetic Roman, uh, Romani, Romani uh, style folk rock band. Uh, they Their tagline, sometimes naughty, never nice, but always ready to party. And their website states that they are an undead Romani band hmm. that has traveled the world for centuries, bringing to you the type of entertainment you might not want to introduce to your mother. And it then says, or perhaps you might, you naughty thing, you um yeah they uh they they advertise themselves primarily as strigoi which which in eastern european uh mythology is the vampire um so the band was created by by frontman matt greaves in 2009 uh gallows humor emphasizes are are they from the uk um no they're they're american American? okay yeah they're they're out of california um they uh yeah, but this whole shtick that they have, this this way that they frame it as being vampiric, it, it's it's just kind of comical to me. Um, Mac Reeves, um, he was a fan of, of both horror and comedy, and combining the two genres with music had long been his dream. Uh, he was a fan of Romani musical, musical stylings, and, and given the geography and the history of the Romani in the Carpathian Mountains of Eastern Europe, it was decided that he would advertise his band as Strigoi as the vampires. Uh, he developed this idea over many months, writing music, developing an act to go with it, and he got his first chance to perform as an in-between sets act at a Bells of Bedlam Halloween show at the Brits Pub and Restaurant in Pasadena, California. Uh, taking the persona of Romani Marion Van Gogu, 
Uh, Matt sang songs about necrophilia, cannibalism, and drinking absinthe to so the basically crowd. the misfits. Yes. Okay. Yeah, very much. Um, and uh, the crowd, they, they just went wild. They loved every minute of it. Uh, early versions of Gallo's humor classics, uh, Necrodance, Don't Judge Me, and Blue all debuted that night. And Gogu, again, that's Matt Greaves, he then set out to find other like-minded musicians to, to flush out his undead crew. Um, they're, they're best known in the California area for playing the Renaissance Fair circuit, actually. They do a lot of run fairs. Uh, but they are also known uh, to book gigs at wine bars, restaurants. They performed the world-famous Whiskey A Go-Go in L.A. many, many times. And the the Whiskey A Go-Go continues to ask them back. Um, I, yeah, I, like I said, I just wanted a Krampus song. And I wasn't really familiar with what Krampus novelty songs there were. There there are a lot really? of novelty Krampus songs. So I started playing through and I'm just, uh, just exploring new music and this one just immediately struck out at me. At me. Uh, the name of the song, I don't think I've introduced the name of the song again. Um, this is going to be a bad habit uh, on this episode. Uh, is I Saw Mother Kissing Krampus. I saw mother kissing Krampus Late one cold December night I saw mother sucking on his tongue His appearance gave me quite a fright Head to toe and coarse black hair Horns curved like a caribou Red and yellow glowing eyes Birch stick for whipping you. Now this is not uh, <laughs> this is not to be confused with I saw mommy kissing Santa. No, this Claus. is the uh, the um, Skinamax softcore version of yes, that song. Yes, yes. Um, it doesn't get terribly. Uh, Terribly bad. I mean, there is no, no, no. there there is a fa la 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 that that yeah. neatly censors, uh, 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 you know, the male anatomy. <laughs> but it, it, it's yeah, it's more the placement of the song. Okay, I suppose it was shocking to me because I'm listening to this playlist of holiday novelty tunes, which are pretty much in the same lane, right? right? And then this one kind of starts off the same way, and you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be kind of a takeoff of I saw Mama kissing Santa Claus at Buck Krampus or whatever. And then you get to like the second verse, and you're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> that was more of the shock. I just wasn't expecting right. it. Oh, it's I. Well, I, the entirety of the song. I just every time I hear this, it just cracks me up. Now I'm, I'm no angel by by any means. Um, so I, you know, I I have a, I have a, a bit of a, an adult streak to my humor. But this one, it just it continues to get more lurid as the song goes, you know? And, um, you know, and the, the, the speaker, the narrator of the song, you know, he's he is just frozen in fear as, as the song continues and he keeps, you know, dropping a load in his pants, <laughs> shizen me and hosen. Um, but, I, uh, yeah, I was wondering what you would think of this one. I, I didn't know if I was really pushing the limit. Nah, it's fine. It's, but, it's, it, 
novelty tunes. It is an alien. I mean, we did Christmas with the Devil. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. If you can do Spinal Tap, you can do Gallows Humor. Um, but really, I've, I've started to listen to these guys. They have two albums so far. They're currently working on their third. If this is a song that you enjoy when hearing it, uh, probably for the very first time, I'm, I'm sure none of our listeners likely have run across Gallows Humor yet. But uh, if, you, if you do enjoy it, check out the rest of their catalog it's only two albums uh they, they're you know isn't much there yet but oh man i do I, and i still do everything that i listen to it just it it immediately just throws me into that vein of what we do in the shadows and i, I was just i was hooked so nazdarovia gallows humor uh you you've got uh a steadfast new fan of your work in me and i i hope that i can bring others to the fold because it is just a fantastic song it's it's they're a fantastic band so all right very cool well you're pulling out the obscure ones i'm starting with the obvious ones got the the uh get nothing for christmas over on the first pick my second one is another obvious one grandma got run over by a reindeer oh yeah very very polarizing song by elmo and patsy grandma got run over by a reindeer walking home from our house christmas eve you can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe She'd been drinking too much eggnog And we begged her not to go But she forgot her medication And she staggered out the door into the snow When we found her Christmas morning at the scene of the attack She had hoof prints on her forehead And incriminating claws marks on her back Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe the version that I've included is the 1982 re-record, um, which was um, a single, but also included on, on their compilation uh, songs. Anyway, <laughs> the whole history of the band is a long story that I'm not going to get into most of it. But um, I clearly remember when this song was, was popular in the early 80s. I remember my, my grandmother, uh, appropriately, thought the song was hysterical. And um, I'm not saying my, my grandmother didn't laugh. I, I saw her laugh at movies, but I never saw her hysterically laugh. This is the only time in my life I can probably remember her hysterically laughing with my grandfather uh, to this song. And the story is pretty simple. Those of you who've maybe been in a cave and have never heard this, Grandma gets drunk, stubbornly walks home alone, and gets run over by Santa. Yeah. yeah pretty simple plot. Um, the song took a long road to its current place in the top ranks of Christmas novelty songs. It was first recorded and sold independently in 1979. Uh, they basically sold it out of the trunk of their car after shows. Okay. Uh, within a few years, the song found modest airplay, which led to a re-recording of the song in 1982, the one that I've included. Uh, this version was finally distributed nationwide, and its popularity in the radio grew from coast to coast. Epic Records then took notice, and the song was distributed in 1984, that's when we all heard it, uh, with the promotional muscle of a record label. The song, like I said, is very, very polarizing. Uh, when asked, the public seems either love the song or really, really hate it. There's no in-between. 
Um, on the hit comedy, did you see The Good Place? If you haven't watched The Good Place, you got to put that in the top of your TV oh, list. Oh, it's, it's comedy. Okay, about the afterlife. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, now I Ted I, Danson and um, uh, uh, what's her name? Gosh, I'm going to draw a blank now. <sighs> Short uh, Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. Oh, okay. And, and a few others. And no, it's 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 what? It, where do I find it streaming? Hulu, I think it's Hulu? probably on Hulu. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. I'll, g- I'll give you a little um, taste of what the show's like. So on the hit comedy, The Good Place, this song is played on repeat during a demon party in hell. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, many artists have recorded their own version over the years, including the Irish Rovers and, and Ray Stevens. So I ask you, Alan, where, where do you fall on this? Are you, uh, I- I'm going to say I'm a fan, more probably from the nostalgia, but I think it's also a well-crafted song. I think the, the, the lyrics, you know, at Weird Al would be proud in its structure and the way that it tells the story. Um, so I'm in the camp. I can see why people find it annoying, but I like it. I love it. Oh, good. Okay. I do. I love <laughs> it. I um, and I know a lot of people who take the the opposite <laughs> viewpoint on this one. It's not a song that when like when I DJ holiday parties, which I'm not doing this year because obvious reasons. But um, this is one I very seldom play unless it's requested because you know early on when I would play this DJing. Man, if, if you played it to the wrong crowd, they just wanted they wanted to tar and feather you, you <laughs> right. know. Um, but uh, no, I, I've always found this hilarious. I just I have. Um, I love the incriminating claws marks on her back. Right, you know, right. <laughs> it's like, say, the story's told very well. Yeah, it is. It's, it's fantastic. Well yeah, I um, no, and you know, do we open up her gifts or send them back? And the, the, everything about this song. One of the relatives has a sausage under his, between his legs right, or something. Yeah. <laughs> and Grandpa's taking it so well. He's playing poker with the guys. You know? I, I, I love this song. I, I just, I think it's fantastic. And um, I, I was absolutely thrilled that you included it. I don't know that it would have made my list, um, which is kind of unfair because I do love it as much as I do but again as you said it's so polarizing you know I I don't know it'd be interesting maybe we should do a poll on, on one yeah, one, yeah, one of our social so. media sites um, because this one yeah I, I know so many people that you know the moment those first few chords begin, I, I know people that will walk out out of the room. Right. You know, they just don't want to hear this song. Well, for some people, I'm sure it's an earworm, and I know how that goes. But oh yeah. For me, the melody's catchy. The the lyrics are dark, um, which you know I like a little bit of dark, right, um, in my humor. And uh, overall, the song is just a lot of fun, if not overplayed. I, I get that, but uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm in the yes column for that one. Yep. Nope. Agreed. All right. Well. Now, uh, this one is nowhere near as obscure as my first two. Uh, my next song, Christmas at Ground Zero. Ah, yes. I by just Weird mentioned Weird Al that. I conjured him up. You did. Let us know that this is not a test. 
You know, I would have chosen this, but for some reason, I was sure we had included this. Oh, really? Like I had originally chosen Cheech and Chong, and you proved to me that we already. Yeah, talked about Santa Claus and his old lady. Um, yeah. I would, was sure we had talked about both of Weird Al's Christmas songs, but apparently, I did not. So good for you. No, we've only done uh, the the second one, the night that Santa went crazy. Went crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one is actually a style parody of Phil Spector produced Christmas songs in the sixties. We, and speaking of dark, this uh, one also fits. Uh, oh, it's very dark, yes. <laughs> um, which, you know, we did the Weird Al uh, Art of Spotlight a couple of seasons ago. And I, th- I think we've talked about this several times. But Weird Al, is, he's mostly known for his parodies. Right. But his original music, his original songs are just, to me, many of them are far far funnier than the parodies. One More Minute is in my probably top oh, 100 favorite easily. songs of all time. Yeah, easily. And what I love about Weird Al is even when he is not parodying a song, every one of his original numbers, every original track that he has released, stylized, it is an homage to to an artist or a band yes. of, of, you know, one kind yeah, or another. It's kind of a half parody. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a stylistic parody. Exactly, like the one about yeah. the, the the Doors. Um, oh, I forget the name of it, but just a perfect Jim Morrison. Yeah, they recreate the entire vibe. Anyway, yeah, I mean, if you go through his repertoire, I mean, we we could have went the other way with our artist spotlight with him. Yeah, he stylistically he he mirrors and parodies, and I think that really is a testament to his talent mm-hmm. because there's no genre he can't perform. I mean, absolutely, he's he's done it all. Yep. And and as I said, this one uh, stylistically it, it parodies the Phil Spector Christmas album. Um, there's this deceptively jolly single, you know, that really it it, it makes light of Cold War paranoia. <laughs> as, you can't as, help but bop your head to the sound right. of nuclear nuclear yeah atom bombs dropping yeah uh, yeah Yankovic Yankovic here he celebrates one final holiday. And, you know, amid falling atom bombs, as I said, he he describes it. He describes the song as a cheery little tune about death, destruction and the end of the world. Um, I think that was when we were at the radio station. Wasn't that the tag? When we were in college and we, oh, yeah, we had our own on show, the cart. Yeah. we had some, some live tags, and yeah. um, and that was one weird else. That's exactly what he said. Yep, that's exa- I forgot all about that. The, the days ago, oh, the radio stations... The carts system is long, <laughs> long gone. I'm sure it's all digital now. Um, yeah, we we were uh, we were radio DJs in college. Oh, I forgot all about that. Anyway, I got you off track. Yeah, you yeah. did. But uh, back to the end of the world. Had a Russian nostalgia yeah, there. Yankovic yeah. uh, he wrote this song after his record label, which was Scotty Brothers Records. They kept urging him to do a Christmas record, and upon its release, he he said. Quote, I think this song is a little different from what they were expecting. <laughs> now, that comes from uh, the liner notes to the 1994 box set, Permanent Record. Um, some radio stations actually banned the record, um, somehow reasoning that most people didn't want to hear about nuclear annihilation during the holiday season. Um, but really, the song fell into a, a bit of a controversy after the 9-11 terrorist attacks because of its title. Oh, because Ground Zero became... Ground Zero, yeah. Re, yeah what's the word I'm looking for yeah, when you re... 
right label uh, something really, it takes on a new meaning exactly the word takes on a new meaning. yeah the the media dubbed the destroyed world trade center site as ground zero and Yankovic's tune was then deemed insensitive, and then it was it was largely banned from radio airplay, uh, at least for that year. That's true. Someone someone in Gen Z would not know necessarily that background and think it was about nine eleven. Exactly. Good point. Yeah. Um, so Weird Al he he even stopped playing it live to avoid misinterpretation uh, following the attacks. Um, but uh, Lily Hirsch, she's the author of Weird Al Seriously, explained in a. 2022 Song Facts interview that um, when Al wrote this song in 86, it was a reference to the center of a nuclear blast. But after the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001, the term Ground Zero changed in meaning, and now that song just doesn't really work because most people assume it has something to do with 9-11, which I I think that's still true. Um, Concerned about the song's commercial potential, Yankovic's record label initially refused to even release this as a single. <laughs> um, Yankovic responded by, by using his own money to produce a low-budget music video made up of old television and news footage, along with a live-action sequence of the singer and his friends caroling in gas masks and uh, amid nuclear devastation. Uh, the Scotty brothers relented, and the single was released just in time for Christmas of 1986. It comes from Yankovic's fourth studio album, Poker Party, which also features the James Brown parody Living With a Hernia. Uh, the album was nominated for Best Comedy Recording at the 1988 Grammy Awards, but it lost to Robin Williams A Night at the Met that year. Um, this one, I, I've, I've always loved Christmas at Ground Zero. Well, I think it's so brilliant because there are a couple layers to this song. So you mentioned it's, it's Phil Spector, right? Right. And so Phil Spector was popular during the, the Cold War, the height of the Cold War, oh. at least the first kind of height. The second one came in the 80s, right? Yeah. And so to me, it's an homage of those times when people were building bomb shelters in their backyard and all sorts of B-movies were coming out, like Godzilla, you know, with the atomic uh, radiation. But it's released during a time when kind of that, the, the Cold, War, Cold War amped up a, a, a bit under Reagan. And we were all concerned about nuclear annihilation. So even though it's an homage to the 60s, it, it works right. on both levels. Well, yeah, I mean, at its release, you're talking the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, it was, you know, Khrushchev and, and Kennedy were playing. The, the Phil Spector one. Yeah, yeah this yeah, one, Phil Spector. This was released in the 80s. Right, right. right. Uh, but, yeah, when this was released, I mean, think about it. It was, it was, uh, oh, when did the day after come out? Do you remember the 80, year? I want to say 84. 84? I'm, I'm 83. It might have been 83. 83. It, it was released right about this, right, right about yeah, late, this, late yeah, November. Like I said, there was kind of a yeah. resurgence. The Cold War never really ended in between those, but there right. was a ramping up of because oh, of the yeah. rhetoric. and Absolutely. Um, man, I remember the day after. That that thing scared me. Now, my classes, because we, we, we had different teachers at Woodland Elementary, you know, they actually assigned us to watch it. Yeah, my mom wouldn't let me watch yeah. it, so I would have had to fail that assignment. A lot of parents, <laughs> like, called in and complained, but they actually, they assigned it to us because they wanted to, um, I don't remember what assignment was attached to it, but basically they wanted us to explore, you know, the... I, I don't know, the current events or the the political nature of it. I, I don't know. It was very hefty for yeah. you know for an elementary uh, well, have you classroom. Have you watched The Americans with Carrie Russell? I've I've saw the pilot. 
Okay, um, highly recommend it. I, I just finished. I'm still going back to all the shows I missed when my kids were younger. And this one's a little more recent, but um, first of all, highly recommend it. Could, it might end up. It's definitely top twenty for me. Might be my top ten. Um, it was that good. Um, but, it, but it's interesting because it's, it, no spoiler alert, it's about Russian spies in America, but they right. pose as an American family. And it, it starts in 1981, and every season goes up a year at the end. It kind of jumps a couple years. But um, there's the, the season when this, uh, the day after, uh, comes out. So there's so much nostalgia in the show, um, having grown up in the 80s, right? And so you see all these different families, um, all the different characters' families watching this. And they show the parts on the Americans that were the most controversial, where people are kind of vaporized and how everybody reacts to it. So it's interesting you mention that because um, it's cool to see something that we remember, but then watch it through the lens of a television show and how, you know, now looking back, we felt about that. Right. Did that make sense? Yeah, no, no, no. I followed it anyway. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, no, I saw the pilot. The, the year that it came out actually and it was just one of those shows I was I was intrigued but for whatever reason I didn't just didn't tune in yeah, the next yeah. week you and check, just, revisit it at some point yeah I've been told that by a few other yeah. people as well um, that and did you say you saw Mr. Robot yet that's another one I still have not should. watched okay. it yeah those two so yeah there, there are a few in fact probably the biggest of them all the one show that everyone's jaw drops when, they, when I tell them I've never seen it is Mad Men Oh my gosh, that's yeah. top five for me. Yeah, maybe I, top I know three. it is for everybody that I talk to. You that, would love it. That uh, you would I, love it. Yeah, and especially with your you know sixties. Oh yeah, nostalgia. Plus, I'm, I'm I have a huge huge crush on Christina Hendricks, so that alone. Well, I have a huge that, crush that, on John Hamm. So oh, you know, there, you go, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, that one always surprises people. But for whatever reason, it's there was a period, you know, in the nineties going into the the two thousands where television series just started getting really really good <laughs> and and it was uh, I was I felt like I was pulled in so many directions I would start shows but I wouldn't finish them because I'd be pulled to another and that's what I'm doing now catching up on all yeah, of them so, the problem is I'm getting close to the point where I'm running out of you know, you know prestige television shows that I miss right um, and the ones I'm starting to see are not going to be on the same level oh, as yeah. the ones that I finished but um, definitely not yeah. all right your turn well <laughs> we're really on a dark um streak here because <laughs> this next one may be the darkest of all of them and that is the chimney song <laughs> by bob rivers from 1987 there's something stuck up in the chimney and i don't know what it is but it's been there all night long well i waited up i sent all christmas night Something in the chimney and it doesn't make a sound But I wish you a Merry Christmas There's something stuck up in the chimney and I don't know what it is But it's been there all week long Well, the dog keeps barking up the chimney flue And we don't know what we're gonna do Cause there's something in the chimney Can I just say this is one of the reasons? <laughs> this is one of the reasons I asked you to go first because there's so many Bob Rivers songs. I, yeah, I yes, like literally Bob Rivers is the king of of Christmas novelty, and I, I just I would not have 
been able to, to choose. So I wrecked the malls. The the bathroom door said "gentlemen." Uh, yeah, um, uh, walking in women's, women's underwear. underwear. Yeah, there it, are tons. So great. many. Uh, you chose the right one. Well, I went with this one. It's it's not a parody um, musically uh, of another uh, Christmas song, but it is the darkest. <laughs> oh, without <laughs> question. And uh, you can probably, if you haven't heard it already, begin to imagine what it's about. Um, I remember discovering Bob Rivers, um, this song in particular in college. I think Twisted uh, Christmas was the album, and it sold a ton of copies. And my now wife, we were listening to it for the first time, and it's one of those moments, kind of like my grandparents laughing at at, uh, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. We could not stop laughing at this song. It's really, really simple. Um, But you have this innocent young voice singing the song. So that's really where the kind of, um, what's where I'm looking for, the... um, the juxtaposition. Juxtaposition, thank yeah. you. The juxtaposition of the two. So you have this innocent angelic voice singing, there's something stuck up in the chimney, and I don't know what it is. Um, the obstructing object eventually begins to smell, and yes, uh, it is a dead Santa Claus. Yes. <laughs> and the song is very reminiscent um, of the dark tale Kate tells about her father in Gremlins. Do you remember that? Yeah, oh yeah. Which really seemed out of place in the film. To me, it still does. Um, I guess you can make an argument the whole film itself is kind of a dark satire, and so it fits in that context. But when kind of just watching it as, as a movie, it just seems a little bit jarring. It, it, it really does, yeah. <laughs> I, um, the, you know, Gremlins remains one of my absolute favorite holiday films. Uh, and a lot of people, it's like Die Hard. A right, lot of right. people do not categorize it as, as a Christmas movie. I, I do. Um, it came out in the summer. I remember seeing it in the summer at uh, Millette Mall, <laughs> the old theater there. Um, but, um, yeah, when, when Phoebe Cates goes into that story, it, it's just really, and I'm with you, and it, it it just seems so, so dark, you know? I mean, because the Gremlin, I mean, it's, it, yeah, arguably it's a horror film, but but still it's 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 a horror film made for yes. for kids you know it's 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 puppetry and the likes and then she goes into this story about her father in a santa suit breaking his neck trying to come down the chimney and it's like <laughs> where the hell did that come from yeah, you know? when i watch it as a satire it fits beautifully but but like i said when you're just watching it as a movie right it, it's a, it's a bit jarring there and of course the second gremlins is the real satire that oh, one yeah yeah it's so on the nose uh, but so much fun well bob rivers was a dj in massachusetts and he recorded parodies of um all these different songs, including the one that really took off for him, which was the 12 Days of Christmas, um, re-imaged as the 12 Pains oh, yeah. of Christmas. I'm sure most of our audience has heard that. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, he did this for his radio station in 1986, and then it kind of caught on in other markets. Um, the success of the song then led to that full album that I was mentioning on Atlantic Records called Twisted Christmas, which ended up selling over 500,000 yeah. copies. And as we mentioned earlier, we could have chosen a number of songs from this record um, but I went with the simplest and perhaps best of the lot with this hilariously irreverent song. Oh, it is just—it's so—it's <laughs> it's the little girl singing. Oh, that, it's that really, perfect. That's the yeah. Stroke of well, and you know she's so innocent because there at the end when she says her brother tells her that Santa's already there, just the you know the the, mis- <laughs> the misunderstanding, the, right. the curiosity He's in her voice. There. Yeah, it's it's just oh, it's it's it, when you listen to oh, it, especially for the first time, and we've already if you haven't listened to it, we've already ruined the the experience for you. But when you don't know what to expect, right? That's where the effect is really uh, the most pronounced because it sounds like this nice little Christmas song with a little girl singing. And then all of a sudden, you wait a minute, what? And then it just teases it out to the point where you're like, they're not going to go here, are they? And of course, they do. Yep. 
Oh, no, it's great. Bob, see, now this is what Rick D is going back to our last two-part <laughs> episode. This is what a DJ should be doing if they're going to parody songs yes. because Bob Rivers is just perfect. Yep. So, yep. <laughs> oh, man. All right, you're up. Okay, well, this is where our dark streak ends for now <laughs> because I am giving you the Three Stooges. Uh, my next track is titled Jingle Bells Drag. In the garbage dump on a fine December day, we found a beat-up piece of junk, an old-time open sleigh. So then we bought a horse, his coat was solid gray, but that's because the horse, of course, is older than the sleigh. Jingle bell, jingle bell, if this seems too slow, just blame it on old Dobbin, that's as fast as he can go. It's gonna be next Christmas before this song is done. This one was written and recorded by the Three Stooges. Specifically, we're talking here, Mary, uh, Mary, where did the, Mo, Mo, Larry, Mary, yeah, Mary right? Uh, what was Mo, the name of the song again? Uh, Jingle Bells Drag. You're gonna get us in trouble with the Moms for Liberty here, yeah. Oh, not that kind of drag. Not that kind of oh, drag. Oh, okay. Never mind. No, that kind of drag comes later in my playlist. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. there's there's one coming up. Uh, yeah. Uh, spoiler. Anyway, um, go ahead. Yeah. So this one was written and recorded by uh, Mo, Larry, and Curly Joe. Um, no Mary. N- no Mary. No. Uh, here, the slapstick trio, they steamroll jingle bells with new lyrics about acquiring an old sleigh from a garbage dump and an even older horse to pull it for them. And when the ancient uh, horse proves unreliable, it's, it's up to Curly Joe Dorita to pull the sleigh and his face-slapping friends. I mean, that's the story in short. Um, the Three Stooges, I, I would assume I don't have to really introduce the Three Stooges to our listeners. I don't know that anyone does not know them. But on that chance, they, they were an American Bonville and comedy team. Uh, they were active from 1922 until 1970. Over 50, almost, no, not over, almost 50 years. Did they eventually have shorts in color? I'm um, not a big Stooges fan, so I don't know. I do not think they ever had, sh- what, no, shorts I don't think ever Or, or movies, feature, they did movies in shorts. Feature-length right? films, I think they did have one or two films. In color, okay. In color. Uh, they're best remembered for the short subject films. They, they recorded, uh, recorded, <laughs> they filmed um, 190 short subject films by Columbia Pictures, which featured the trio's very physical slapstick humor. Um, Six Stooges appeared over the the act's run, with only three active at any given time. There was Mo Howard, who was born Moses Horwitz, and Larry Fine, born Louis Feinberg. They were the two mainstays throughout the ensemble's nearly 50-year run. Um, the, The pivotal third Stooge was played by three, actually one, two, four, four different uh, actors. Um, first was Shemp Howard, uh, born Samuel Horwitz. Then Curly Howard, who is probably still everyone's favorite, not only favorite third, but favorite stooge, I, I, th- I would argue. Uh, that was uh, Curly was born Jerome Horwitz. Um, then Shemp 
returned again for a short while, then Joe Besser, and then finally Curly Joe Dorita. Wasn't Shemp Moe's cousin? Uh, well, they were all brothers. Brothers. Uh, they were all Shemp, brothers. Yeah, okay. Shemp, Moe, and uh, Curly were all brothers. Okay. Larry. Uh, Larry. Uh, <laughs> Curly. Curly. No, I was right. Larry. <laughs> Man, I'm just all over the place. Um, it's the painkillers. I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> so, um, but uh, Larry is. Uh, Larry was just a, a, a another actor who was pulled in. He was friends with okay. Mo. Um, I meant character wise, was he his cousin? Not, oh, not was he Mo's oh, real cousin? Oh, I see what you're saying. You know, I don't. I just for some reason thought he was his cousin. I am a. Here's the thing. I'm a Stooges fan, but I don't know that in the actual shorts that they ever portray themselves yeah, I, as being blood related. I don't know. I don't know why that popped in my head. I've, I yeah. can count on the number on, on one hand the number of shorts I've actually seen of. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, the Stooges' uh, history, it's kind of sad, really. Um, You know, the act began in the early 20s as part of a vaudeville comedy act billed as Ted Healy and his Stooges, um, consisting originally of Ted Healy and Mo Howard. Over time, they were joined by Mo's brother, Shemp, and then Larry Fine. Um, The four appeared in one feature film titled Soup to Nuts. And working for Healy was often scary. He was an alcoholic with a bad temper. He often became physically abusive. Shemp, this is why Shemp left. He was so scared of Healy um, that he that he just left the act. Um, and it was then that Moe brought in his, his younger brother, Jerome Curley Howard, in 1932. Curley, of course, you know, remembered for the, his bald head and his huge, huge body. Um, he actually had long red hair and a... a a, a handlebar mustache. Really? Yeah. Um, when Mo brought him in, Ted Healy uh, looked at him and went off on this really nasty tirade saying that there was nothing funny looking about him. So, yeah, basically Jerome went, he left the room and he came back about 10 minutes later and he had shaved his head. And feeling his head, and Ted Healy, I guess, was wide-eyed looking, the, you know, just amazed that he had done this, uh, you know, right there spontaneously. Um, but, Jerome was rubbing his head and he said, wow, I feel girly. Oh. Yeah. And Healy, who was drunk at the time, thought he said curly and the name stuck. But it makes sense. It's an ironic nickname it, for it a bold d- person. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, curly, Jerome, he actually ended up having a debilitating stroke um, that, that basically uh, made him unable to continue to perform. Shemp returned because they were under contract. Their contract said there had to be three Stooges, not two. So Shemp came back to save his brother Mo uh, from any legal woes. Eventually, they they broke free of Healy, and um, they they went off on their own. And here's the thing: the Stooges were the most popular short film actors. Okay, most popular. In fact, um, Columbia Pictures president Harry Cohn he was able to use the Stooges as leverage. Uh, as the demand for their films was so great that he eventually refused to supply exhibitors with the trio's shorts unless they also agreed to book some of the studio's really bad films that, that you know, were just sitting on the shelf because no one wanted to, to screen them. Cohn also saw to it that the Stooges remained unaware of their own popularity. During their 23 years at Columbia, the Stooges were never completely aware of their amazing drawing power. Their contracts with the studio included an open option that had to be renewed every year. And Cohn would tell them that the short subjects were in decline, which was actually true. 
uh, as a genre they were, but the Stooges were an anomaly, and they remained more popular with every passing year. So based on Cohn's Doomsday Report, the Stooges thought that their days were numbered, and they would sweat it out each year, with Cohn deliberately renewing their contract at the last moment. And this deception kept the insecure Stooges unaware of their value. It resulted in them having second thoughts about ever asking for a better contract without a yearly option. And Cone's scare tactics worked for all 23 years that the Stooges were at Columbia. The team never once asked for a salary increase, nor were they ever given one. Hmm. Um, so basically, short subjects, they, they did eventually go away. Um, you know, movie shorts. I, I, I used to hear stories um, from from my dad, my uncle, and especially my grand my grandparents. How you know they would take a dime to the movie theater and they could sit there all day. You know, you had two films, you had shorts, you had serials, you had cartoons, you had the newsreels. I mean, it was like it was just it was like watch it was like you know playing with the remote and just going through several different options. You know, sitting on the couch watching television. Um, but basically. The short subjects, they started to go away, and it seemed that the the end had come, that it was basically the end of the Three Stooges career. Now, it was during this time that the Three Stooges added music to their repertoire in an attempt to broaden their dwindling fan base. Uh, they recorded several records, and one of them was a 1960 EP titled The Three Stooges Sing Happy Yuletide Songs, which was released on the Golden Records label. Now, Golden Records was Simon & Schuster's musical cousin to their famous Golden Books division. If you are of a certain age, and we are, Golden Books and Records were an essential, they were were as essential to your early childhood as Fisher-Price toys, right? And if you are of that certain age, then chances are you probably watched The Three Stooges every afternoon in a syndication when you got home from school or on weekend afternoons. That's assuming you were a fan. Uh, but they were always on after school. They were always on on Saturday afternoons. I, I remember in, in, where we grew up, Superhost mm-hmm. always yeah. had them playing. It was playing. a cheap syndicated right. um, content. Yeah. And around the same time that Golden Records were rising in popularity, the legendary Three Stooges were winding down. As I mentioned, Curly was gone. Shemp and Joe Besser, who I didn't really talk about, they had left, and Moe and Larry were still going strong with Curly Joe Dorita filling in, but their their best days were clearly behind them. But then television happened. So when the classic Three Stooges were syndicated, beginning in 1958, the trio attracted a brand new audience of eye-poking kids, and the studio released all the shorts via screen gems, and Columbia's television studio and distribution unit uh, you know, suddenly found that the Stooges' popularity was soaring again. And with intense television exposure in the U.S., the act regained momentum through the 60s, and they proved more popular than ever, especially among boys. Um, in most polls, girls are not fans. Hmm. It, it is definitely male humor. It's very juvenile humor. It's very physical, abusive humor. I mean, it's like watching the Looney Tunes yeah. live so, no, action. It's, it's, it's live yeah. action cartoon is what it, it is. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So... Um, it's it's no wonder that Simon & Schuster, they wanted to cash in with a golden record because there was a whole plethora of young boys out there who were, you know, huge fans. Well, the EP, very hard to find. But in 1983, good old Rhino Records, they reissued the original Stooges Holiday EP, retitled it Christmas Time with the Three Stooges. And that is the version that 
Spotify has that we're going to include here. That was, uh, you know, as an aside, 1983 was also the year that one-hit wonder Jump in the Saddle Band recorded a track called The Curly Shuffle. Hmm. You know the Curly yeah, Shuffle? I do, I do, yep, yep, yeah. yep. Uh, which features the narrator singing about his love of the Stooges mixed with a chorus of many of Curly's I don't know why I know that song, but I do. Oh, I, I love it. With, but I'm a Stooges fan. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, In fact, Curly, Curly uh, in polls, he's always been everyone's favorite Stooge. And the Curly Shuffle, if you are a Stooge fan, the Curly Shuffle is just golden. It's fantastic. The 80s, right? It was a single in the 80s? Yep, 83. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Sorry, I, I know I rambled there for a while, but their history, I just... I find it fascinating. I mean, these guys were taken, they were abused, they were physically and mentally abused, emotionally abused. They were then, you know, deceptively manipulated by their, by, by Columbia Pictures for 23 years. I mean, it's it's just a sad story. The Curly's stroke, which I didn't go into great detail about, um, it's a sad story that, you know, it, it's, it's pretty fascinating given that these guys brought so much, you know, joy and, and laughter to their audience so but there you go Jingle right. Bell's Drag well my next one's not dark either so sorry to disappoint um, but this one it, it just it's kind of unique um, Ghost Reindeer in the Sky oh yeah yep. by the Carolyn Sills combo from 2016 it was just a single it was the night before Christmas when all through the Creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stocking world by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads, and my inner kerchief and Settled on down for a long winter's night. And out on the lawn there will go such a sound. They sprang from their beds to see what was about. When all at once a tiny sleigh and eight reindeer they saw. A plowing through the ragged sky and up a cloudy drop. Based on the original 1948 country classic Ghost Riders in the Sky by Stan Jones, this Christmas parody takes the epic music of the original, sprinkles in some holiday magic, and comes up with just kind of a fun novelty tune. The Carolyn Sills combo is probably not known to to many in the audience. They're kind of a local Americana band out of Santa Cruz, Uh, but they do write their own music. And according to the band, it is, quote, built for jute joints, dive bars, theaters, and campfires. It's a great, that's a great um, Sounds about right. description of Americana music. Yeah. Now, there's a, there's a similar song um, by Ariane um, that was not uh, available on Spotify, released only to fan club members. Kind of that's what I was going for originally. Okay. Um, so if you can find it, it's on YouTube, you know, you can find it. But it's just an instrumental of Ghost Riders in the Sky until Michael Stipe mumbles, um, you know, ghost or reindeer, whatever, in the sky. I mean, it, it's it's cool, 
Um, but it, but it's not an actual parody like this. So I'm glad I, I, I ran into this one. Uh, I just needed kind of a light, fun tone to cleanse the palate after the chimney song. <laughs> And uh, I kind of like featuring regional artists that don't always get the exposure they deserve. Exactly. So from what I can, uh, I'm not a, I don't know a lot about the Carolyn Sills combo, but it, it, it appear to be very hardworking, um, very talented songwriters and musicians out in Santa Cruz. Yep. Now, I, um, I had never heard this one before. Yeah. This, yeah. this was I only came across it because I was looking for yeah, the R.E.M. version. This was one of uh, two of your songs that I'd, I'd never heard. And I, I was, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And it, you know, I, I, it's, I, well, I love Ghost Riders in the Sky. Right. So, you know. Well, considering just, they're a bar band, you can imagine oh, that in yeah. that context. Oh, absolutely. Where you're just sitting there during the holidays and they come up with, oh, you think they're going to play, you know, right. Ghost Riders and then they have a little fun with it. Yeah. No, I, I thought it was genius. Um, okay. Well, this one, uh, this is the only one of my picks that actually charted. Uh, my next song, actually in 1949, peaked at number five. And it is by Harry Stewart. In character is Yogi Yogerson. And the name of the song is I Just Go Nuts at Christmas. Oh, I just go nuts at Christmas on that jolly holiday. I'll go in the red like a knucklehead, cause I'll squander all my pay. Oh, I just go nuts at Christmas, shopping sure drives me berserk. On the day before, I'll rush in a store like a poor bewildered jerk. I'll look at nightgowns for my wife, those black ones trimmed in red. But I won't know her size and so she'll get a carpet sweeper instead. Oh, I just go nuts at Christmas when each kid hangs up his sock. It's a time for kids to flip their lids while their papa goes in hock. So, yes, I did pick some of the classics as well. Yep, yep. <laughs> but um, I used to go nuts at Christmas. Um, you know, it, it's really two songs, or, or I, I don't know that it's two songs. It's two parts to one song. Um, you have the novelty song that takes place there at the beginning, um, and that is followed by a monologue that was written and performed by Harry Stewart as the fictional Swede character Yogi. Um, the the song, the first, well, the first part that short musical number is it's uh it, it details how yogi wants to shop for his wife and considering he's considering buying her a nightgown but he doesn't know her size so he opts to buy her a carpet sweeper <laughs> instead <laughs> um then but then that second part the pair of it's a parody of the poem a visit from saint nicholas and the spoken monologue begins with a peaceful house on christmas eve as yogi sneaks off to the local bar Instead of staying to his original plan of drinking a single beer, he gets caught in the Christmas spirit and binge drinks a dozen Tom and Jerry's. Um, then he comes home, seriously drunk, gets a little sleep before Christmas morning arrives and the children wake him up. And then the severely hungover yogi must not only cope with his rambunctious children, but here come his own relatives and his wife's relatives and chaos just breaks out um it's like an early version of christmas vacation <laughs> you yeah, know definitely and that's basically what the song is from 1949 i've always loved this song i mean there's just something so 
I, I don't know if it, as a young kid I think it was you know the, the 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 Swedish character that he was playing right and you know the the, the Y that he that he drops whenever you know the J would be pronounced but I don't know as I've gotten older I've just really appreciated it because it's just it's so simple and it's it's so it, it comes from another time I and mean, there's nothing there's no raunch here but it is still hysterical yeah, you know yeah. and it's it goes to show that you know good comedy doesn't need to lean into the the you know a lot of what we find today it doesn't have to get dirty it doesn't have to get Blue as the comedian Controversial. Yep. You know. Um, so, yeah, Yesco Nuts at Christmas. It was backed with Yingle Bells. Uh, peaked at number five on Billboard's bestsellers and stores chart for the week of the week after Christmas, actually, 1949. So there you go. All right, yeah. Got a couple of classics on the list. I like that. All right. So this one, classic for a different reason. <laughs> the 12 Days of Christmas by Bob and Doug McKenzie. <laughs> Good from God. 1981, from their hit album, The Great White North. Take off, hoser. Okay, now, this is our Christmas song. In case you don't know what to get somebody for Christmas. There's lots of ideas in here, so listen and don't get stuck. Okay. By the way, that's me on the organ. Oh, Jesus. You start. Okay. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a beer. of Christmas my true love gave to me two turtlenecks and a beer on the third day of Christmas my true love gave to me three French toast two turtlenecks and a beer it should be more there fourth day of Christmas my true love gave to me four pounds of back three French toast two turtlenecks and a beer in a tree Fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five golden toques, four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. In 1981, uh, SCTV stars Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas released a comedy album featuring their characters Bob and Doug McKenzie. Uh, it was a hit in their native Canada as well as in America. It was nominated for Best Comedy Grammy and won the Juno, which is the Canadian equivalent that year. And the record also went to number eight on the Billboard album chart. Now, Second City TV, some of our audience, I think, would be familiar with Second City TV, uh, was kind of the Canadian's version of Saturday Night Live. It was a sketch comedy show that launched the careers of many notable comedic oh, actors. Yeah. I can't name them all, but I'll name a few. John Candy, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, Harold Ramis, Martin Short. The list goes on. Yeah, in fact, a lot of SNL performers first started, first started on Second SCTV. City. That is correct. Yeah. When the show began to air in the United States in 1980, they had a little bit of a time difference. The commercials were a little bit longer in America. And so in Canada, for the next season, they had to fill an extra two minutes of content only for Canadian audiences to make up for the difference in commercial time. Huh, I didn't know that. So the studio asked the show for, like I say, this content appealing directly to Canadian viewers. So Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas kind of as a, not really nephew to the studio, but just kind of playing, I guess, with the, with the directive, uh, improvised these sketches, poking fun at Canada, uh, Canadian stereotypes to fill the time. So you can kind of see him saying, you want Canadian? We'll give you Canadian. And they just lean into all the stereotypes on these sketches that weren't even written uh, ahead of time. Um, the irony, as these sketches became some of the most loved and remembered throughout the show's run. Yeah. Um, 
the duo's version of 12 Days of Christmas, like the sketches, was completely improvised. And that's the charm of it. You can tell this hasn't been well thought out. But because you have the characters, these, these you know, uber Canadians, um, kind of just stumbling through this song, that's the charm. Yeah. Oh, and you can tell that it's all improvised too. Yeah, oh yeah. That's what's oh, yeah. so per- because when they begin their, oh, their you, monologue about the thir- right. about the twelve days of Christmas right. has nothing to do with. Yeah, it, it's just <laughs> I, I don't know. I um, and you can tell they're just they're they're just filling. At least that's the that's the original right intent of the sketch was just to fill time, and eventually <laughs> that style or that um, that formula became the sketch. And so they continue to lean into that. That's why I never knew the history of the McKenzie brothers. Yeah. Um, now, is that would that be true of all their music? Like Take Off was was a huge hit for them. Yeah, they ended up writing that as a, as yeah. a, a single for the album. Okay, I was going to say that one couldn't uh, right because Getty Lee, yeah, Getty Lee is on guitar. Is on, right. Yeah. Right, so right. it's but, but this is more of like uh, like a sketch that they've. In fact, I'm not even sure. May, this might have just been a recording of a sketch that they did on the show. Huh. I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure. Because um, I've seen it before, but I wasn't sure if it was a music video or if it came from yeah. CTV. I remember seeing this years ago. Oh, it's been yeah. it's been a long time, but uh, I've always loved the Mackenzie. How can you not? Rick Moranis is just oh, oh yeah, he's a genius. I remember so. as a kid when I when I heard this when you know rock stations started playing Christmas music, and there wasn't a lot of rock. We've talked about this before. There wasn't a lot of popular rock and roll right. Christmas alternatives at the time. And so they really pulled things out, like Cheech and Chong. Yeah. Um, in this case, uh, the McKenzie brothers. So th- these are songs I'm sure I'm not sure today you you have necessarily have heard because there's a lot of volume and content being made. Um, but this is a gem. And I remember as an American, um, and that's kind of the point of the song, I think, uh, not understanding any of the vocabulary. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I had no idea what the hell a toque was, <laughs> right. you know? which is a, like a stocking cap. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and what a hoser is, and all yeah. the hockey references, and. And, uh, and the colloquialisms and so forth. So, yeah. Yep, yep. Just had to throw that one in there. Uh, no, a great, great tune. It's another one that would have made my, my list had you not chosen it. So, um, all right. Now, now I'm bringing the drag back. Now we can get in okay, trouble. Okay, all right. Okay. Mom's Liberty. Cancel <laughs> yes. us. Yep. All right. My next song comes from the Kinsey Six. Now, that is spelled, the band's name, uh, it's another acapella group, I should add. Uh, the group's name, the Kinsey Six, it's a play on the Kinsey scale. The, the okay. Kinsey sex researchers? Yes. Yeah. Um, because um, basically, it, Kinsey number six, um, that was the, the end of the Kinsey scale. And it was defined as exclusively homosexual was if you scored a six on the Kinsey scale. They spell their name, though, S-I-C-K-S. Hmm. So the Kinsey sick, you know, is the Kinsey six. Yep. Um, the song comes from an album uh, from 2005 titled Oy They in a Manger, Christmas Carols and Other Jewish Music. And the name of the song is Soylent Night. Tender and bottom 
cheeks with carrots and peas. Bet you can't eat just one pea. By the way, when you say the six, that's more of a um, self-deprecating humor. They're, oh, yeah. they're not. They're, they are gay themselves, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah. Okay. I just want to make... It sounded like they were saying homosexuality oh. is sick. Oh, no, 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 no. And, no. I, and I get the not double meaning. Right. Right. But I just want yeah. to make sure the audience was clear. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. If you're in the audience listening, we're confused. No, they, they are... Um, Gay said, men in drag, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, most are Jewish, which there's a lot of Jewish humor. Um, basically, the Kinsey Six, they're, they're an a cappella quartet, and they bill themselves as America's favorite dragapella beauty shop quartet. Okay. Except in Florida. Uh, true, yes. I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they probably don't perform there often anymore. Uh, they perform both original music and lyrics, as well as parodies of well known songs, all a cappella, again. Uh, their work, while extremely comedic, is often highly politically charged. Though neither side is safe, the group skewers both sides of the political spectrum, uh, calling out the As they should. Yeah, calling out the absurdities and the hypocrisies of American politics in general. Um, the Kinsey Six they began in 1993 when a group of five friends went to a Bette Midler concert in San Francisco, dressed as the Andrews Sisters. They assumed they would be among many drag queens but they found themselves to be the only ones uh. at the concert. <laughs> yeah, okay. San Francisco, Bette Midler, you'd think a lot more. Yeah, you would. Audience yeah. members in drag. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were approached that night by a woman who asked them to perform at her upcoming 50th birthday party. And their initial reply was, well, we don't sing. But then the group of friends was surprised to learn that every single one of them had previous musical experience. Um, and thus, the Kinsey Six were born. Um the uh, <laughs> the court the uh, the six of them and it is um, I believe just a quartet. I don't think there have ever been six members. It's it's just well, four. It's, the, it's the six thing. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Um, in two thousand one, the Kinsey Six produced and starred off Broadway in the critically acclaimed Dragapella. It'd be cool if they had six, because then it would work three ways. Right. Anyway. So. Yeah. Um, the uh, Dragapella. Um, it started the Kinsey Six at, at New York Studio 54, hmm, is yeah. where they performed it. That production received a nomination for a Lucille Lortel Award for the Best Musical of 2001 and a Drama Desk Award nomination for Outstanding Lyrics for lyricist Ben Schatz. In 2006, the Kinsey Six performed an extended engagement at the Las Vegas Hilton. Uh, in addition, their first feature film, Kinsey Six, I Want to Be a Republican, premiered at the 30th San Francisco International Lesbian and Gay Film Festival. Uh, the documentary, The Kinsey Six, Almost Infamous, uh, covered the history of the group and their run at the Las Vegas Hilton. That was released in 2008. Um, in 2010, the group began releasing music videos, many about current events, such as the oil spill satire, BP is Creepy, <laughs> uh, the TSA mocking Rocky Horror parody, Touch a Touch Me, TSA Security, a, a, which was a satirical video about, uh, the, or rather they, they also had a satirical video about uh, Republican Party economic policy titled The Official GOP Economic Platform. Sounds similar to Randy Rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very similar. I mean, it, the list just goes on and on here. I mean, they, they have made inroads in so many different uh avenues um you know in popular culture um but i knew them from this album alone 
I mean, this is an album. I don't even remember who introduced this to me, but it it was uh, I was someone at the synagogue. <laughs> I don't remember who, but but they're so. It's a Christmas album, a cappella, of course, but it's just so Jewish. It's a Jewish themed. I mean, this is not a Jewish song by any by any stretch. Um, Have one, you even the told the that title again? You haven't even... I haven't told... Yeah, no, I did. Did you? I did Soylent Green. Oh, you did, okay. Or Soylent, you haven't talk- Soylent Night, rather. You yeah. haven't talked about it. haven't talked time. about it, okay. yeah. Um, which, I can do that now. <laughs> I'm... As I said, folks, yeah, you have to understand. After my surgery, they, it's fine. They have me on some Percocet, and I'm feeling good. Our audience good. knows by now yeah. that we go on tangents. We and do. Things can become very. But I'm random. not usually this. It's all good. I, I'm all over the place. Um, so, uh, yeah, without question, uh, the Kinsey Six may not be for everyone, um, and um, but I think you should really, at the very least, give this song. Uh, listen, Soylent, especially Ron DeSantis. I think he would. Yes, absolutely. Find it appealing. Um, yeah, Soylent Night. Uh, it's not a political number. No, 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 no. Um, nor is it. I said Jewish themes run through their music. That's true, but this is not. It, this is not a Jewish themed song either. Um, it is. Well, it's it's an homage to Soylent Green, of course. Soylent Green um, is people. Yes, folks. People. Char- Charlton Heston. Yes. Um, yeah, Get on th- your bike, exercise bike, so you can generate electricity. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, th- this song selection simply reminds us that food plays an essential role during the holiday season. <laughs> so eat well, but remember you are what you eat. Yes. And for me, the best part of this song is the very end when they tell who they ate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I wasn't expecting that the first, on first listen. I just... Uh, that. I, I laughed hysterically. It's also dark it in is. its own way. <laughs> it is. Um, but it's it's another one I don't think our listeners are... Well, a lot of them may know. I, I don't know. They, they, I mean, they may not know the song. Uh, the song, yeah, but the Kinsey Six... A good portion they, of our audience knows Soylent Green. Yeah. If not, you need to, to, yeah. to rent the movie or stream it or whatever. Yeah, it, it is just... Uh, <laughs> it is a classic in the sci-fi genre, and it... Um, it You know, it, to me, it doesn't hold up really well. But that tagline, you know, Soylent Green, it's just, it's so ingrained Something about Charlton Heston and, and, and twist endings. Yeah. Uh, I remember we watched it in, in science class in high school. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Talking about, you know, food insecurity and Oh, that would and, make sense. Um, yeah. Global catastrophe. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the, the premise of the film, I mean, there have been cultures that right. have right. been forced to do just, just that. Yeah. yeah, Charlton Heston in the, in the twist, yeah, I mean, Planet of the Apes still has one of the greatest twist endings ever, right. ever filmed, you know. Um, but uh, Charlton Heston, good good Lord. Uh, nothing like paying tribute to Moses. All right, so <laughs> it's your turn. All right. I think I have the last one here on this episode, and I end with Yabba Dabba Yuletide. Yeah. This is one I thought you might have. No, I, I love Brian Setzer Orchestra, and I, I actually have all their Christmas music, but I, they weren't even on my radar. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have all of his, or haven't listened to all of his, uh, but this one stands out just because I love this theme song. Um, as you mentioned by Brian Setzer's Orchestra from 19, I'm sorry, from 2015 from um, their album Rockin' Rudolph, and they have several uh, Christmas LPs. <laughs> Santa Claus will visit you. 
comes as kind of a um, semi-parody of perhaps the most beloved cartoon theme of all time, the Flintstones. Yep. I'm not sure if there's a more recognizable theme for a cartoon show for Gen X than the Flintstones. Uh, Scooby-Doo, yeah, Scooby maybe. Yeah. Where are you, yeah. Scooby-Doo? But uh, yeah, I would say the Flintstones or the Jetsons. I mean, it's yep. because there you have both the, the late boomers and right. Gen X. Right. I mean, it's, it's two generations that grew up on it. So. Setzer's brand of swing uh, lends itself perfectly to the holiday season, of course. Uh, I've mentioned, I think, before in our holiday episodes, it's the only time of year one can hear jazz, big band, and swing music on Top 40 radio. Correct. Uh, the Brian Setzer Orchestra often tours around the holidays. Very smart. They're kind of, um, there are a lot of acts like that, like Mannheim, Steamroller, and um, what's the other one? Uh, uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra yeah. um, that, that have these these mini tours right around Christmas well, Trans-Siberia, yeah, every and, year. And they is, make, uh, is the Brian Setzer Orchestra still performing? Um, well, the, the the last time, I believe it was 2017. Okay. Uh, they played 36 shows in November and December alone. So you really pack that tour pretty pretty yeah. uh, tight there. Because I would love to see Brian Setzer. Yeah, yeah, if they ever come back. Because, I mean, especially, I mean, he's, he's still does Stray Cat's Covers sure yeah. with with the sets or orchestra. Yeah, so right. I mean, it'd, it'd be like seeing both both acts in one. So here, Setzer and his orchestra—they don't disappoint. Um, taking a, uh, a well-loved melody and retooling it as a Christmas song um, that sounds both modern and classic. Uh, the arrangement spot on, and the individual solos—the the jazz guitar, uh, the sax, the trumpet—showcase um, the immense talent that plays behind the former Stray Cat frontman. And so. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think now. I just drew a blank on the actual lyrics of the song. Uh, I guess it's not a, an actual parody. Well, it's, just have it. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, was th- I was thinking they also took some lyrics from some favorite Christmas songs, but I, 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 draw a blank. I drew a blank. Yeah, I'm, I'm drawing one with you. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> That's right. We'll have to go back and listen to it. I enjoyed it very much. Um, and like I say, it's not, he doesn't talk about the Flintstones. It's, no, it's not no, no, a, no, no. a parody in that way. Um, the lyrics are very traditional Christmas song, but it's to the melody of the Flintstones. And of course, the title is Yabba Dabba Yuletide. So I think that's where kind of a, yeah. it's a semi parody. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally, sorry. <laughs> I blanked right there with you. I'm, th- I'm trying to think which song it is that he's singing to that theme, and I can't, I can't hear it right now. Um, well, it doesn't matter because no, we will have played the sample anyway. That is true. Yes. <laughs> so, yep. Have a yabba dabba holiday, folks. Yeah, I had to start on something a little bit more, up, or end on something a little more upbeat after yeah. all of my dark oh, that, songs. Yeah, side A, man. We are, <laughs> wow. Um, it's, uh, side B is not quite as, at least for me, it's nowhere near as dark as side A. So, um, but, whew. Yeah, mine are well. Yeah, mine are pretty pretty light as well. Um, although the, I, I'm looking forward to my first pick. Yeah, I do get a next little. Week. I get a little. There's 
there's some inappropriate, some irreverent humor in there. But nothing over nothing the top over the like top. Krampus. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, there will never be another, uh, another I Saw Mother Kissing Krampus uh, on our podcast, I would I would guess. <laughs> but um, I'm sorry. I, I, no apologies for me. I'm, I'm just... <laughs> I love that I said I'm sorry. No apologies. Regardless, it's fine. Yes, it's fine. I. I just you're on some good drugs right now. It's I good. really, really am, which is a fantastic thing. But um, yeah. Wow, it. I'm looking at the time. Yeah, this is this is so not us lately. Um, it's a very short episode. Well, well once we put in the music, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll be about an hour. We, we've had a string of about forty minutes. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah. All yeah. right. Um, well, yeah, we'll be back in, in two weeks. Um, uh, you know, after the the worst songs episode did very well. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, almost doubled our numbers. So it was very, very surprising, pleasantly surprised. Uh, and yet, we still stand at thirty nine um, reviews on iTunes, and we've been stuck there for about a year. Yeah. Um, so it'd be great if uh, any of our new listeners would like to um, contribute a, a positive review. Um, that'd be very helpful. We continue to um, grow our numbers. We have um, been getting a lot of good correspondence stuff. Oh yeah, we have. Yeah, um, definitely. Our our listeners have been, you know, writing in and it's been it's been a pleasure. We, to, we got called out on Re- Rebecca Black. Yeah. Cuz it was too too on the nose, I suppose. Low, low hanging fruit <laughs> low is, hanging is fruit. what uh, But he seemed very complimentary and he enjoyed the episode yeah. and said he was looking for part 2, so. Yeah. And it is low hanging fruit, but Rebecca Black, <laughs> I mean, it, you call, it's calling a spade a spade. I mean, it is it is one of the worst songs ever recorded. So I love the I love the letter because um, um, the listener is from Australia, and so he'd never heard of God Bless the USA, right? And then he said he never wanted to hear it again. <laughs> yeah, words. true. Uh, yeah. Oh boy. Uh, Talk about uh, Canadian stereotypes. That one fits the American stereotypes for sure. Yes, it does. All right. Uh, anything else before we uh, let the listeners go? Um, I don't think so. Not really. Um, yeah, no. Okay. I'm, I'm good. Well, that's all for oh, this time. Except, yeah. Oh, yeah, except yeah. no, we've we forgot to do this the last few times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our sponsor. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. I'm, I apologize to, to, to Jen because we have not done this the last couple of episodes. Uh, Jay Callahan Painting. Um, if you have any painting needs and you live in the greater Cleveland area here in Northeast Ohio, look up Jay Callahan Painting. Uh, she does an incredible job. Uh, she works both inside and out, although uh, now I would think outdoor painting is probably about done for the year. Um, but tell her that David now sent you, and uh, you you will not... Uh, not you won't be sorry. You won't yeah, be sorry. you won't be sorry. You'll, you'll thank us, I promise. She does a fantastic, fantastic job. So. All right, not gonna, yeah, okay, now, all right, go. Well, that's all for this time. Hot funk, cool punk, even if it's old junk, another mix of memories awaits in two weeks. But for now, press pause, lift the needle, and hit eject, and we will see you on the flip side. Sitting in a box undigified, gonna rewind and give them one more try. Think about the days of lo-fi mixtape Memorex and TDK Getting music out there the old-fashioned way Making the greatest hits of one day mixtape Phonograph and dual cassette 
Before you could get everything on the internet But some things ain't made it there yet Mixtape Line in, line out If you don't have a line Hold the recorder to the speaker Turn the volume to nine Here's an accidental slice of time Of time. 